This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the old city of Jerusalem in Asia Torah overlooking the Western Wall. Really all there is is God. None of this is real. This is a digital simulation that God projects into existence. All the people who believe this world's a simulation, they often don't take the God step. And the reason is because they figured this out on LSD. Now, the truth is that if you say it's a simulation, all you have to do is take one more logical step that perhaps if you're high out of your mind, you wouldn't have taken. And that is that if it's a digital simulation, what's simulating it? What's causing the simulation? And then you're automatically, you're going to be at God real quick. I mean, there could be other options. It could be like some other higher technology. And you'd hear people talk about that, but then you're back to the people on LSD where they're talking about, you know, some other, like, galaxies projecting us. But that's ridiculous, because how would they possibly be arranging your life for you? I'm sure everyone in this room, raise your hand if you've noticed that things seem to be orchestrated around you. Raise your hand if you've noticed things get orchestrated around you. If you haven't noticed that, you're asleep. Okay? I mean, I get organized around other people. People are orchestrating. God is orchestrating me around others. Not always, but a lot. You know, I get to the store, it's closed, I look at my watch, I'm like, what would you have, why would you have thought this store would be open right now? Like, it's never been open this time, it's been closed for two hours, you've known this store for 20 years. And then I turn around and there's someone saying, I've been searching for you, I needed to talk to you today and I lost your number. And I'm like, I'm being orchestrated for you, I've been put in front of you, what do you need? And, and so things are getting orchestrated in, in incredible ways and all the time. And even to the point of, you know, we think about when we're sitting on those big airplanes and it's, the flight's delayed a little. That's not random. That's not random stuff going on. And don't get frustrated either because you don't want a giant flying bucket of steel anywhere other than where it should be at any given time. Nor a driving bucket of steel, for that matter. So if I ask someone for a ride from... Oh, by the way, anyone listening to this, you can message me if you want to take me. But my flight, I usually come out of the airport at JFK. I fly every couple of weeks. I have to fly this Thursday night. So I usually land on the El Al flight at like, you know, so I get out of the airport at like 6. So pe- a lot of people are willing to pick me up. This particular flight, I'm not even asking. I'll only ask online is I'm getting, my flight arrives at 4.30, which puts me on the street at 5.30, which means Uber, basically. So I guess I'll be learning with an Uber driver all the way to Brooklyn. I have a bris in Brooklyn on Friday morning. But don't worry, those who are here to learn with me, I'll be back. Um, I'm going to be back Monday, but I'll probably only teach um, Tuesday. So I'm going to be gone Sunday, Monday. <laughs> Maybe I should tell Aisha Tor as well. <laughs> I always tell them last. The, um, anyway, but I've, I've got to tell Aisha Tor as well. I'd, I'd appreciate a reminder. Ben Sion, if you can. Send me a little WhatsApp right now that I tell you Shatar. I should put my phone also on. Do not disturb for this. Anyway, the yo, the world's a simulation, and the simulation is coming from a simulator who's orchestrating our entire lives. Standing room only right now, ladies, but we're really happy you're here. You might be a little warm in jackets. So the the um, you can pop it on their table, you, ladies. You mind them putting their jacket down? So the, the simulation is coming from a something. It doesn't come from nothing. Because what comes from nothing? Say it all together. 
nothing. What comes from nothing? Say it all together. Nothing. What comes from nothing? <laughs> no. Nothing comes from nothing. Nothing comes from nothing. So obviously there must be something there that's that's there that's not made of anything, but it's some kind of consciousness that's causing simulation. Now, another cool thing about it is all you really are, all your body is, is just an avatar. You're inside this giant hologram, which is a projected simulation. And we know this in physics. Everything's vibrational. Like, you think this is English right now? You think I'm speaking English to you? You're like, I think so. No, this is not English. This is vibrational waves. This is frequencies that are shooting through the air. All I'm doing is sending vibrational frequencies through the air. Maybe slide a little more. Uh, this lady should slide a little more towards Reuben over there. You're perfect now. No, no, you're, you're better that way. Okay. Yeah, you're perfect now. You're perfectly flanking uh, Michael. No. Yeah, I got Michael in your two faces right there. The... This is a holographic reality that's being sent into existence. The sound you're hearing is vibrational. We know that. I mean, every time you listen to music, you're just listening to ones and zeros that are sending, you know, it's because we all listen to digital music today. It's just ones and zeros that send out of a speaker, whether it's your headphone or a car stereo or a home speaker or a Bluetooth speaker, all it's doing is sending sound waves. That's all it's doing. It's just sending vibrational energy. I remember hearing a jam band in, in college. We were hanging out in the courtyard of a Grateful Dead jam band in college. We were just in the courtyard while they were rehearsing. But the coolest thing came is two hummingbirds came and flew right over us and put themselves right by the screen. It was an open window. We were just being blasted by music. And two hummingbirds put themselves in the window, you know, by the screen of where the band was playing. And they went exactly up and down on the, the actual sine waves. Of the music, and the music was changing tempo, and they were changing with it. They were just going with the sine waves. They they connected to to the the tunes of the music, and I was just I just had this experience. I mean, thir- thirty years ago plus, I've been at Grateful Dead concerts where where the band was playing certain things vibrationally that was causing the whole audience to start bawling. Now it's New Year's Eve. There's no reason we should have been crying. We were. We were at a concert to have fun. We had been dancing not more than a few minutes earlier. And now, you know, I remember, ball, I'm bawling, and, and I don't know why I'm crying. But I, I, you know when you're crying, it gets a little embarrassing, so you look at the people next to you, kind of like at a movie or something. And I look at the people next to you, and I realize they're crying. And then I look back at the audience. I was on the floor near the stage, and I look back. People are, like, huddled and falling over each other, sobbing in, like, in like support groups. You know, it was like crazy. I looked at the whole audience in the amphitheater. It was like 30,000 people in Oakland Coliseum. Everyone's sobbing. And then it wasn't more than like five, ten minutes later that we were all jumping, <coughs> jumping for joy. Now, now, the set list of the band is half the band and half the crowd. Because what happens is the crowd decides collectively what song they want to hear next. And the band catches on sometimes. The band, not every time, but when they do, the crowd goes, bananas. 
And if you've never been to a Grateful Dead concert, so you don't understand why everyone's cheering. Like, what happened? You know, because they're playing this song, not that good a song. You know, in fact, none of their songs are really good songs. Um, but the, um, but they're, but there's a, it's a, it was a lot, a purely live phenomenon that was going on there, and and a vibrational exchange that was happening there that that doesn't happen usually in modern concerts. Modern concerts, it just doesn't happen much because the, you, I don't know if you know this, but the light, it's everything's on a click track because even the lighting's all computerized and it's on a click track. So it's not like the, so, the guitarist, he can't play the, go another round on the solo. You know, the crowd was so enjoying it. Hey, you know, the band leader says, take it again, you know, go another round. He can't because the spotlight's going to go off of him because it's now back to the singer. And so spontaneities have been, been lost a lot. But the, the ultimate expression of vibrational, um, vibrational, um, there's a better word for it, but connectivity was those, were those concerts. And amazingly, um, just a few days ago before New Year's, there I was in Los Angeles just a week ago at the Grateful Dead. Company? Yeah. Whoa. John Mayer, right? Shocking with John Mayer, yeah. You went? I did. Well, I went in Vegas. I saw I saw them in Vegas several times. So, so uh, oh, first time with Santana opening, and the second time with Sting opening. Yeah. And uh, anyway, but the there I was last week at the Grateful Dead show, and who'd I go with? I went with my f- my three other brothers, the four of us. We've ne- we've gone to a lot of concerts. We grew up in LA, but we never went together. I think it was the first time the four of us went to a concert together. Here's the here's the kicker. My eight year old mom was with us. And we were late to the concert a little bit because we were waiting for her to change, you know, after Shabbos into, you know, into, you know, whatever she was going to wear at night. She comes down in like beads and like, and like frills and we laughed, you know, my 80 year old mom comes down like a, like a flower child from the, from her bedroom. And, uh, and she was great. You know, I was doing all my Grateful Dead meditation dancing, which I, which people were actually thanking me for, which was really weird. Like when I'd go up to get a, go to the bathroom or whatever, I'd go up the, you know, the auditorium. People were like pulling me aside and they're like, thank you, Rabbi. I've been watching you dance. It's been amazing. <laughs> I'm just like, what? You know, cause I thought it was pretty dark there. You know, but anyway, my mom was just kind of copying me from, from behind. She like, she got the meditative dance. It was, it was really amazing. Anyway vibrations this whole world is just a vibrational reality now it's not it's not a by chance i'm discussing music because because music has the the strongest influence on us vibrationally have you ever noticed that do you notice music gets you every time anyone here anyone here seen the swiss alps swiss alps yeah a couple of you did it get you it got you right but what about after three days what was it like three days, four days later? Didn't quite get you anymore. Yeah, now you got to do like the alpine slide or something. You know, like you had, to, you had to add to it. Something had to happen that would make it. Have you ever noticed music doesn't, music doesn't have that? Music gets you every time. It always does. And the reason why is because the Swiss Alps happen at the speed of light. Why? Because you're seeing it. So your, your sight happens at the speed of light. It's pretty overwhelming. Certainly interesting the first day, and it's uh, but it overwhelms your nervous system such that it's not really a connector. 
it's too much for us, the speed of sight. That's why you'll notice when you're doing spiritual stuff, you tend to close your eyes. People almost universally meditate with their eyes closed. And certainly when we mention God's oneness, we've got a double cover. We've got our eyes closed and our hand is covering our eyes when we're talking about the oneness of God. And we're generally making vocalizations which happen at the speed of sound. And music playing will draw your heart in and, and, and bring the emotions and that those emotions connect you ultimately to, well, whatever the content is, which you know, is, can be about God or whatever whatever's going on. You know, last night the content was being next to my friend Shmuel Simcha, Ben Devoya, and he brought me to tears. And, and uh, today I was watching a Today I was watching a, a little video about a, a kid who couldn't learn when he was a kid in Europe. He just couldn't learn, and his parents promised him a, this beautiful gold coin if he could learn one page of Talmud. It took him two years till he could finally get through the whole page of Talmud by heart. And uh, anyway, the Nazis, may their name be erased, took the family and they all died. And he got through the war just by every, every difficult time he had that page of Gomorrah. He had the page of Talmud in his head, and that's how he got through the greatest difficulties. And when he'd finally been evacuated, uh, when he'd been, uh, what's the word I'm looking liberated. for? Liberated. And came to Israel, he uh, was watching all the people who could learn, because he still couldn't learn. It took him two years just to memorize one page of Talmud. So he watched everyone else learning, and they were making the Siyum Ashas, the finishing of the whole Talmud. Happened several times, and and he missed each one, obviously, because he only knows one page and he can't really learn. And he had to work very hard. And so every night before he went to bed, he would go through his, that same page. Anyway, when he had reached about 2,700 times that page, which is the amount of pages in the Talmud, there was another finishing of, of Shas, of the Talmud. And he was kind of moping around because everyone's getting all excited about the finishing of the Talmud on the seven-year cycle. And here he has, he's, re- he's done his page well over 2,700 times. And just as he's going through the streets on his way back from work, he sees the rabbi of the community who teaches the Talmud page. And he, sa- he says, what's wrong? You look so sad. And he explains it to him. And he said to this young man, he said, to old, an older man now, he said to him, uh, I want to trade with you. You're coming to the seum. You're coming to the to the completion of the, of the Talmud, and we're going to trade. You're going to give me the merit of your page, and I'm giving you the merit of the entire Talmud, and you're the one who's going to read the, say, the Kaddish. For, you know, at the end of it, you'll say the Kaddish at the end for the whole, for the whole thing. And the, this is on video with a, you know, a beautiful... Uh, music playing in the background, uh, a song was written for this story that happened. And I cried because we connect, we connect via music vibrationally. Now, the whole world is a simulation. It's being created by this being, something from nothing. And your body, that's the world, your body is an avatar. Your body's an avatar. You know the term avatar? Avatar is like... Uh, it's like uh, kids who play uh, these warfare games, like, uh, what is that called? Uh, what's one of the famous warfare games they play? World of something. World of Warcraft? 
Do you mind opening that window, please, just to get us some air in here? Oh, you know what? It could be the AC's on heat. Oh, it's off now? Because I think it was on heat. Yeah. Anyway, back to the World of Warcraft. The, when a kid's playing World of Warcraft, generally, what's going on with these kids, who are generally 38 years old with long hair on cannabis in their baby boy bedroom from their childhood, <laughs> upstairs in their parents' home? Their parents can't seem to get them out. The, um, anyway, but what are these boys doing? There's a boy playing the game with a joystick. I don't know what he's got. I've never seen anyone play these games. But I imagine they have special apparatus now that they touch to do it. And the boy's playing the game, but the character is always this, like, super powerful person. And I don't want to get into all the psychology of what's going on here, but I think it's pretty obvious to most people with even a basic understanding of human psychology that if you have a, a boy who's been rendered weak and worthless probably by our society, not that we can blame society as a whole, but, but probably having to do with some kind of millennial effects. But you have a boy who feels weak and worthless, um, and then you look at his avatar online, where he's playing with thousands of other people who have this same issue going on. And I'd be interested to know, um, someone else, has, maybe you want to Google, uh, what's the stats of, uh, I don't know what you call that whole genre, but what's the stats of, of males over females, but... I bet you that it's some 95% males in there with these big, violent, aggressive avatars. So that's an avatar. So your body that's present right now, listening to me right now, this body of yours is just an avatar. And who you are is this massive massive conscious being that is not one to one like uh like you know like when like songs like heart and soul you know it's not one heart one soul it's not a one to one like a vodka with a red bull it's not a one to one here it we think in terms of the soul being one to one with us but it's actually one and it's not a number either. It's a soul. Souls don't have numbers. It's, it's some kind of gigantic thing called soul. And, and it's made of, we know it's got five categories. It's called the Yechida, the Chaya, the Neshuma, the Ruach, and the Nefesh. Each one of those has categories. It's something very, very big. And, and the only part of it that's touching into your brain, because your brain does report to it, the only part of it that touches into your brain is the very, very last bottom of it, of the, of the, meaning the very bottom of the nefesh, is the part that interfaces, like USB cables, with your brain. So your soul's hearing all this, which I hope is good for your soul. I hope it's good. And, and your soul's interfaced with, hopefully, with prayer and Torah and, and other good things like that. And hopefully you're taking it easy on your soul. Have you ever thought about how society today... Yeah, you got a number? What was it? So 84% of World of Warcraft players are male and 60% are female. The average player age is 28 and female players tend to be a few years older than male players. So what was the number of males again? Uh, 84%. 84%, okay. Okay. Anyway. 
where, where was I at just now? I was moving to... Oh, is have mercy on your soul. We live in a generation that says that you should just abandon yourself to the media. Like, if it's on your screen, it's for you. We've been taught to abandon ourselves to the media. Like, let's say you're taking in a movie. You're on a flight or you're in a theater or you're watching Netflix or whatever it is. I mean, you're sitting there basically saying that some cokehead in Hollywood, the content of that cokehead's mind is, is good enough for yours. Which is a really strange thing because I think we're all, like, I think we're all pretty careful when we're in public that like our bodies are ours you know like i don't think you just let anyone come up and hug you certainly not kiss you you know it's like you draw a line somewhere i i think you should draw the line more on your brain meaning on your the content of your mind is a better place to draw a line than your body and your body for other reasons you should be drawing a line (laughs) not for this reason but but the fact is that your mind's a hell of a lot more important to draw lines of who gets in, right? Who gets in there? And, and you yourself, like, you're, you're pretty careful with your own information as well. I'm not because I'm a public speaker. So I, I share a lot of information because years ago I realized, like 20 years ago, maybe more, I realized that, that because I'm sharing information and I'm like every other human being that wants to be liked, so I might change the way I share information about myself based on the crowd. Well, after a while, I don't know who I am anymore because what I've shared with that crowd might be totally different than that crowd and that crowd and that crowd. And after a while, I've basically manufactured a personality for public. But I can't keep track of it because I don't know what I said to those people and what I said to those people. And, and then i got to remember if I go back to that town what I had said over there and and... So I, I, I got to this dilemma in like probably, I don't know how many years ago, maybe over 20 years ago. And, and I realized that I'm just going to be like, like brutally honest about myself when I speak publicly. And that way I'll sleep at night. And that way I can just speak wherever to whomever. And you can like me or not. I've had people not like me. You know, I've been in places that are more like British. And I'm just speaking way too frankly about things you just don't say which really freaks them out because i'm a rabbi because like you know like they're thinking oh all the more so he's gonna be you know composed and postured and careful and and not let too much out about himself and and but they get quite the opposite and then they don't like it (laughs) they don't like that now Anyway, but we're pretty careful. You're pretty careful with the information about you. You know, you're not just sending your resume out to everyone. <laughs> and you're very careful what you put on there. But meanwhile, there's, there's absolute maniacs who download into your brain every time you go on the media. And you seem to think that's just completely normal. And then you can't connect in prayer, and then you wonder why. And you come to the rabbi, rabbi, I need help connecting in prayer. And it's like, what you need is a pipe cleaner. You know, you need a, you need a, a plumber to come through and, and root out what you've, what you've let in so that you can uh, 
connect in a more sensitive way. And you've got to be more sensitive when it comes to God. Because God's super subtle, you know. He's, he's, not in, he's between the lines. You know, in our Torah, when you, yeah, you can close it down. You know, our Torah has, uh, you know, when you look at all the columns of Torah, it has black letters on white uh, parchment. And if two of those letters touch each other, which could be very distinct letters. It could be a Yud's touching a Kuf or, or a Lamed's touching a, a Hey. You know, they're not, they're not going to be... You can see which letter's which. But if the scribe accidentally, a little bit of the ink, touched the other letter, what do we know about the whole Torah? That entire Torah? It's kosher or not kosher? Not kosher. Not kosher. You can't even read it. And once in a while, you'll be at a reading where they discover two letters are touching. They just fold it up put the cover back on, they put the belt outside the cover, so everyone knows that's the one that needs checking, it needs to be fixed. And that night, they're going to have to bring a scribe who's going to have to take a little razor blade and remove some of the skin there, of the, of the uh, parchment. Can you remove like, an old piece and then put a new one in? Well, it depends on the situation, but it could be something as simple as just slicing a little white back into it. Now, the... What's the big deal? Like, we see the different letters. What's the big deal? And the answer is, is, that, is that there is actually a white Torah. There's actually white Torah. And the, the, the black lines are essential. And if two letters are touching, then, then the white Torah has been encroached upon by the letters. There's a white Torah. And when our rabbis tell us there's a white Torah, it's a lesson to all of us that there's another world. There's a, meaning that, when I say another world, meaning there's, a, there's, there's alternative realities beyond your wildest imaginations. And, and they're letting us know that with that. They're also letting us know that with the tefillin, which is also like super cosmic. You know, but, they, but you'll notice there's a three-arm shin and a four-arm shin. There's an actual four-arm shin on the other side. But what do you see in the negative space of these four fingers? What do you see there? What do you see in the negative space? Yeah, you see a shin there, right? That's the shin. It's a three-armed shin in the negative space of the four arms. And so our, our sages are telling us that, that we're only being shown the very, very outer level of everything. And so, therefore, this whole world is really a simulation. Now, what is the pinnacle of the whole simulation? What's the, like, the spitz, as they say in Yiddish? What's the spitz of the whole simulation? What's like the, the highest thing in the whole entire simulation? You know what the highest thing is? You. You. You're the highest thing. Ain't nothing higher than you. You're the only thing in the whole simulation created out of the same exact stuff that the simulation's created out of. I mean, I could show you how, like, all ten are somehow in this, in this wood frame here. I could show you. It would take me, like, an hour to explain it. But I could show you how it's all in there. But in you, it's really, really there. I mean, it's really there. You got the right brain, which is called Chachma, which is your associative mind. You got the left brain, which is called Bina, which is the analytical mind. You got Das, which is the, the, uh, the decisive mind. You've got the right arm, which is chesed. You've got the left arm, which is gevura. You've got the, 
chest region, the heart, which is Tiferis. You've got the right leg, which is, which is Netzach. You've got the left leg, which is Hod. You've got the genital region, which is Yesod. And you've got the feet, which, are, which is Malchus. You're a walking, you are a walking avatar of the actual creation itself. You're, you're, the whole entire creation is in you. But the kicker of it all is that somehow God has placed inside of you this soul, which is made of this massive thing, which comes on down and on down and on down until it's, you know, Yechida, Chayet, Neshoma, Ruach, Nefesh, down, 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 until like the finest membrane. It'd be like the little, I don't know if you can see, you probably can't, but the little white on the edge of my fingernail. You know how your fingernails have that little white thing? So you have your Chaya, you have your Yechida, your Chaya, Neshoma, you know, coming down, your Ruach coming down, then your Nefesh coming down, and then that thin little membrane at the very bottom is what USB cable interfaces with your, with your cerebral cortex, your avatar, that's made of the ten spheros. It's made of the ten beams that the whole world's made of. And, and what that tells you also is that you're, you're pardon my French, but it means you're, you're freaking crazy. Because you are so out of your integrity, it's ridiculous. You have no integrity. No integrity. And nor do I, for that matter. I'm, I'm in your situation. Maybe I'm a little better. I don't know. We have no integrity because you don't live like what I just said. You don't live that way. You're far from that. You have yourself abandoned to content that's, that's just basically raping your soul. You have yourself looking in a mirror and seeing and thinking other things than how awesome you are. You have yourself, like, like even though you're pretending, you're all pretending you're pressing the gas in your life, like you're going forward, but only you know that you've snuck your left foot around and it's on the brakes. You've been riding the brakes to make sure no one finds out how stupid or ugly or, or worthless or or. Uh, or unwanted or unloved or whatever. You, you've been like playing this stupid game. So that's why I'm saying you have no integrity. You have no integrity because what I'm saying you know intuitively is true about you as how awesome you are. And you know that. And you've heard it a million times. You know, God doesn't create garbage. You know that. And you know you're made in his image. And, and it's not for nothing that it says that in Genesis. God knew what kind of world he was creating. And he knew that if you don't have it, the foundation of it all, our connection to, to being amazing and part of the infinite, if, if humans didn't have that, they would just like, like kill themselves ultimately, which is what we're doing just in the installment plan. We're not jumping off the bridge, but we kill ourselves a hundred times a day. We sabotage ourselves with that left foot sneaking around to the brakes while smiling. Yeah, I'm really motivated for this job. You know, well, meanwhile, like, you weren't, you weren't supposed to even have that job. You're, you're, the job you're supposed to have is like a million times beyond that job. And, you're, and you know that. That's not a great example because the best example is how spiritual you are. In, your tr- in the true you, you're so spiritual. 
And so you might be wondering why I use the word integrity. Like I said, you have no integrity. Why did I use the word integrity? What's the, what's the word integrity come from? Inte, integration, right? Integration. So like if I, if I hook my phone up to my home stereo, so the entire stereo integrates my phone. The amplifier plays for it, works for it. The, uh, the equalizer works for it. The, the speaker wire works for it. The speakers work for it. It's like, it's like part of it. It integrates. It's got integrity. And so there's things you know deep down that are so not integrated in you. Which leads us to the question, why? Why are you so disintegrated? Why are you so disintegrated? And we're not going to talk about that right now. But, um, but I'll use it as a commercial. I'm running an event tonight at 9 p.m. for men in Nachlaot uh, for the, uh, a seminar I run called The Possible You, which works on integration. It's a, it's a seminar on becoming fully integrated. Um, and then uh, I'm flying out for Shabbos to Shabbos Karatoni, but then I'll be back. And again, anyone listening to this, I need a ride at 5.30 in the morning at some airport. Anyone know where United flies in? Uh, once you say or, you don't know. I could tell you the ors. I could tell you all the ors of, of New York. Anyway, listen. Listen. The, uh, anyway, but I'll be in Shabbos Karatoni. And then uh, next Thursday, I'm running another event for the seminar. But, but everyone should know, all the men at least, that on the 19th of, uh, of this month, 19th of January, I'm running an English one, probably the last one of the year for men in English, um, called The Possible You. And I love every Jew, whether he comes to the seminar or not, but it gets a little hard to take people seriously once they know that they have the chance to live integrated with how awesome they are and then they still don't show up, or they tell me they can't afford it. And I'm looking at this guy like, you can't afford not to be there, bro. <laughs> you understand, like, the, the, what happens to you in your life when you live integrated is not describable of where it takes you. And you'd laugh about the fact that you'd ever say you can't afford something, because that will never come out of your mouth again after the seminar, that you can't afford something. You just, you just do things, and God affords them, and... You, you, you vibrationally create things into your life once you're clean, vibrationally, obviously. Now, um, thank you very much, everybody. Please, if you watch this live, um, either click all the right things, you know, follow, subscribe, um, share, and uh, obviously, please join the media club so we can keep this thing running smoothly around the world on the, on the media level, on all the platforms. Okay, uh, yomtomediaclub.com. Please join the club, yomtomediaclub.com. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.